Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace to us. We thank you that you have given your word to us. And we pray now that we would come with humble hearts, ready to hear from you, ready to worship you and listen to you. God, would you do your work of changing our hearts as we listen to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What would you say is the biggest blessing in the Bible? Well, if you were here last Sunday, you heard my answer to that, and I will give my answer again to that today. But what would you say? The biggest blessing in the Bible. Um, that might be a fun question for you to ask as you're interacting with family or friends. Just ask the question, what, what do you think is the, the biggest blessing, the biggest promise that God has for us? Well, I would like to suggest, as I said last Sunday, that the biggest blessing that we can have, when, when we understand it rightly, is this blessing of God with us. And that's the title of my sermon today. Now, um, we could suggest some other things. We could suggest salvation. That would be a biggie, right? Anybody think salvation is a pretty big blessing? I think it is. Um, uh, One pastor friend of mine this week suggests that maybe uh, a reconciled relationship with God would be the biggest blessing that we have. And I, I think that's a wonderful thing as well. We could talk about forgiveness of sins. We could talk about eternity. We could talk about being God's child, and all of those are wonderful blessings. But what I would like to suggest is that every single one of those things that I have just mentioned falls underneath the umbrella of this little phrase, nine little letters here, God with us. So what I want to do is I want to walk through the blessing of God with us. And you see up here it's part one. It's going to be a two-part sermon series that we'll finish up next Sunday. But I want to I talk about the blessing of God with us. And it's not just that God wants to be next to us. That, that's not just the blessing as if he you know, places himself near us. It's that God wants to be with us in a restored, eternity-long relationship. And it's not just that God wants to be our father. There are some fathers who are actually very distant. It's that God wants us to be with him as his children, living in, in his family. And it's not even just forgiveness. Because forgiveness might clean the slate, but I don't just want a clean slate. I want God to fill the slate with other things as well. And it's not just eternity, because the blessing of God with us is a blessing for eternity, but it's also a blessing for right now. So I think that this little phrase here, God with us, is is a loaded phrase. And I want to walk through it Uh, Let me explain a little bit about how I came about this sermon topic. Uh, About three months ago, I started a project, and I don't know if I was uh, crazy to start it off or not, but I I think it's been a fun project now since I've I've finished it. Um, I got out my concordance. Do you know what a concordance is? Uh, I would say that my concordance is my second favorite book in the world. My favorite book is the Bible. My second favorite book is the concordance. If you don't know what a concordance is, it takes all of the words in the Bible and it lists them alphabetically. So that if you're trying to find a verse, you ever, you ever find yourself doing this? Said, What's that verse about the Lord being my shepherd? I just can't find it. Well, you go to your concordance, you look up the word shepherd, and you start reading the, the list of all, it, it gives like a phrase along with there. So you say, I know it says the Lord is my shepherd. So you look in there and it says, oh, there it is. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. And, you, and then you look it up. So you got the answer. It's helped me many, many, many times find a verse that I just couldn't place. Um, so my concordance, I have what is called an exhaustive concordance. So my concordance has every single word in the Bible listed out, even words like a, an, and the. They're all listed out in there. So what I did, I wanted to find all the occurrences in the Bible where it says, 
God with us. But I knew that they didn't all just look like that, that some of them said, the Lord was with them, or may the Lord be with you. And I thought, how can I find all of those if it's said a little bit differently uh, a bunch of different times? And I thought, well, the only way I can really do it and make sure that I, I get them all, at least in the NIV, is by looking up the word with in my concordance. So I, three months ago, I started a project. I probably worked on it, you know, just like 30, 45 minutes at a time. I looked up all, every single occurrence of the word with in the NIV. You know how many it was? 5,912. So, and I, I looked them all, I didn't just look them up in my concordance. I looked them, I had my concordance next to my Bible and I looked them all up in the Bible because I wanted to find every single occurrence. Of, so am I crazy? I don't know. Um, it was kind of a fun deal, actually, just to, to see them and to get them in their context. Um, but I found, anybody want to guess how many I found? Just a little Price is Right moment here. 5,000? No, no. <laughs> Less. Uh, anybody else want to register a guess? Going once, going twice? 250. 250, very close. Okay. I found 207. Okay? And, and that's... Um, some of those are individual verses where the blessing is actually in there a couple of different times. So the number could actually be higher. And uh, I might have fallen asleep for part of my project as well, so I might have missed some. But I found uh, 207 of them. And I have a document list of them all listed out. If any of you want it, you can ask me for it. I'd be glad to give it to you. Um, but what we're going to do now today and next Sunday is we're going to walk through some of those, not all, uh, some of those 207 verses or passages in which we see this blessing of God with us. And today we're going to focus mainly on the Old Testament. But before we jump into the Old Testament, I want to do a quick recap of the beginning and the end of the Bible. Okay? I think it's so helpful. Uh, one of my seminary classes helped us to frame the Bible this way, and I've done this here before, but I think it's such a helpful way to look at the Bible that there's a beginning and an end to it. So, so in the beginning, Genesis chapters 1 through 3, we see creation. We see God creating. And what did God say? Uh, up until he created man, there's a bunch of times in Genesis 1 where God looked at what he had made, and what did he say? It is good. But then something different happened when God made man and woman. I think I've got this up here on the slide. Yep. Genesis 1.31. After God made man and woman, it says God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. You see, God created man and woman in his own image. Theologians have often said, and I think rightly so, that we are the crowning act of God's creation. That, that we're, we were last, and in many ways, you could say, most important of the things that, that God created that we see in Genesis 1. It wasn't until mankind was, was created that God looked at it and said, it was very good. And then we think about what Adam and Eve enjoyed with God in the garden. Remember how it used to say that God walked in the garden? And, and that's where Adam and Eve lived. They had this close, intimate, unbroken fellowship with God. So they were living out the God with us kind of relationship that we all long for. That is, until something horrible happened. Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit. And as a result of what they did, there were huge consequences. And that close relationship that they enjoyed with God was, what word would you use to describe it? I, I asked the pastor this week, how would you describe what happened between man and God and the relationship there? What, what word would you use? Broken. That's, that's the word that, that we came up with as well. Fellowship, that, that close, intimate fellowship relationship with God was broken. Not completely smashed or destroyed, 
but broken. And look what it says in Genesis 3.23. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden. The God with us thing that God started suffered a huge setback. But as, as I was talking to a pastor this week, if you haven't figured out that part, I do every week, actually. Uh, I, there's a pastor friend of mine that I call every week, and we just help each other think about what we might be missing in our sermon, because we want to give good sermons. So. Uh, but we were talking about this sermon, and, and my friend said that that little phrase, God with us, you can use it to describe the whole Bible. That's God's plan. And he said, talking about Genesis 3 and what was lost, what was broken, he said the rest of the Bible is about God restoring that God with us relationship. And I want to show you now uh, the last, uh, there's a verse in the last two chapters of Revelation because you see the end of the story is that God wants restoration. There was a huge sin problem that Adam and Eve started and that we continued. And sin caused distance between God and Adam, between God and Eve. And have you ever noticed that sin causes distance between us and God as well? In the book of 1 John, which some of you are studying in Bible study, it talks about how God invites us to walk with him in the light. But if we choose darkness, what are we going to feel? Are we going to feel close to God at that moment as we're disobeying him, as we're rejecting his ways? No, we're going to feel that distance. That's what sin does to us. But God wants something better. And God tells us what the end of the story looks like. So let's look at the end. By the way, this is the best ending of any book in the world. Uh, Revelation 21.3 here, it says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. You see the blessing of God with us three times in that verse? that God wants to tell us that he fully intends to restore the God with us relationship that he wants with us. So that's where God wants us to be. That's, that's the view of eternity. God wanting to be with us in the place that he has created for us. But the blessing of God with us isn't just a blessing that awaits eternity. There's something amazing that happens all throughout the Bible. Like I said, I counted some 207 times. That even though we are sinners and we deserve punishment from God, we don't have to wait until eternity to experience the blessing of God with us. That is something that we can enjoy even now. Now eventually, for those of us who know Jesus or who will come to know him, we'll get to experience the fullness of that blessing in eternity. But even now, we can experience the blessing of God with us. So today what I want to do is I want to walk through some Old Testament passages. I, I, I have three that I want to walk through as well as a few other verses. But uh, there, there's three passages that I just kind of want to walk through quickly and show you this blessing of God with us. So the first one we're going to look at is Genesis 39. This is a story where Joseph was sold into slavery uh, and then eventually was put into prison. You remember the story, uh, Joseph's brothers were jealous of him, so they sold him to some people, and then those people sold him into slavery in Egypt. Now, if we're going to talk about blessings, where does that fall on the scale? The, this, the, the blessing of being sold into slavery. Not very high, right? But something amazing happens in Genesis 39. Um, I imagine that the normal human reaction that, that any of us would be tempted to have if we were sold into slavery and then put into prison, that, that our reaction might be bitterness or despair, but that's not where Joseph went. And in Genesis 39.2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. Isn't that pretty neat? 
even though things had gone terribly wrong, Joseph was still able to experience the blessing of God with us. And I would say that that's the biggest blessing that we can have. So even in slavery, Joseph was able to experience this. And it was so much so that other people began to take notice. Look at the next two verses. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And it's interesting, in the next verse, we see that the blessings weren't even just for Joseph, that they extended to the people around him, which is what God had told us that he wants for us. In in Genesis 12, the blessings given to Abraham, uh, Abraham was supposed to be a blessing to those around him. So look at the next verse. As Joseph was blessed by God, it says, From the time he put him in charge of his household and, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. So that's the slave master getting blessed Uh, And look at the next part. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Joseph was blessed so much that that blessing extended to other people. But then something bad happened again to Joseph. As if being sold into slavery wasn't bad enough, while he was in slavery and doing a really awesome job at it, uh, his master's wife accused him of, uh, falsely accused him of doing something and eventually Joseph was thrown into prison. So again, what's the natural human response when something goes wrong and even when you're falsely accused? That's one of my fears in life, by the way, is to be falsely accused of something and, and thrown into prison. I, it's a horrible deal. Where was Joseph going to go with it? Was he going to now go into bitterness and despair? No, look at verses 20 and 21. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Uh, Pretty neat stuff here. So much favor that the prison warden took notice and put him in charge of everything. And then verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So in terrible circumstances... God was with Joseph. And you notice what came along with that blessing? We saw words in, the, in here like prospered, blessing, favor, and success. Now, a little side note here. If, if we were to go around the city, uh, talk to our family and friends, other places as well, and ask them, what are the blessings that you want? I bet that we would hear things like prosper, success, favor, Things like that. I I think that we would hear people talking about the the things of this world, material things, monetary things, or maybe even (coughs) relational things with other people. I want close relationships with other people. But isn't it amazing in here how Joseph got all of those things because he, he maintained his connection with the God who was able to give it to him. So again, I would suggest that the number one blessing is God with us. That's that's the highest one. And all these other blessings, all these things that we would all want, came along with that blessing of God with us. And I do think that Joseph took an active role in this. Um, I I don't think it's right to read Genesis 39 and just say that that, Joseph was undeserving and, and God just gave it. In a sense, we're all undeserving, of course. But I think that there was something about Joseph that we can look at. And it's in verse 9. It talks about how Joseph didn't want to sin against God. So here he was in slavery in a foreign land, but yet Joseph was still thinking about how he could honor God. And when a situation came up and he was tempted to dishonor God, his response was, no way, how could I do that? 
because Joseph didn't want to forfeit the blessing of God with him. So the choices that he made were choices to go along with what God had. And because Joseph made those choices, I think he, he made himself ready to receive the blessing of God with us and all the other blessings that came with, him, with it. So yes, God was with Joseph and it was a huge blessing. And you know the rest of the story. God eventually got Joseph out of prison and exalted him to the second highest position in the land and used him to rescue the nation of Israel when they were in a severe famine. Pretty amazing stuff that happened because God was with Joseph. Uh, let's move on now to another passage. And this is the one that we looked at last Sunday, Exodus 33. And I just want to recap it here because this idea of God with us shows up in there a few different times. And this is an interesting passage because unlike the story of Joseph, uh, Joseph acted uprightly. But our story here in Exodus 33 follows a story in which the people had sinned greatly. Remember Exodus 32, the golden calf story? Uh, Moses, this is so, so strange in so many ways. Moses was up on the mountain meeting with God and he was going to give the message from God to the people, but the people are down here saying it's taking too long, we don't know where he is, what's happened to him, and they go to Aaron and in Exodus 32.1 it says, make us gods who will go before us, or, or literally, who will walk in our presence. What did they want? They wanted a false god to be with them. Isn't that awful? The, the real God, the one true God, was up on the mountain meeting with Moses and he was going to give his words to the people and the people said, make us gods who will go before us. And as a result, as we move on to chapter 33, we see huge consequences. But it, again, it's such a strange story in some ways because the story starts out in Exodus 33 that God told Moses to lead the people into the promised land. God told them, go up there. God even said that he would send his angel to clear out their enemies. But then we see this startling verse in Exodus 33, verse 3, where God said to the people, but I will not go with you. And again, the same question I asked last week. If you could have all the blessings that you ever dreamed of, but it could only come without God, would you take it? And I, I hope the answer is no. And actually, that's the way that the people's hearts went in Exodus 33. Praise the Lord, they saw this. Even though they had been dreaming of going to the promised land for hundreds of years, when the people heard that God was not going to go with them, it says that those were distressing words to them, and they mourned. And then, like I said last week, Moses went into intercession mode, and he went up before the Lord, and he, and he, and he talked to the Lord. And here's what he said in verses 15 and 16. Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And it's interesting. What was God's response in verse 17? He said, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So fortunately for Moses and the people, they recognized the, the horrible prospect of having to go without God, even if, if it meant going to the promised land, because what good would the promised land be without the God of the promise? So the, the people mourned, Moses interceded, and because the people's hearts were changing, as shown by Moses, their leader, God said, indeed, that he would go with them. 
Okay, and then one more passage here we're going to walk through. Numbers 14. This is the story of when God told Moses to send 12 spies into the promised land. Remember that story? God had said he was giving the land to them. They said, go send 12 people into the land. So they sent these 12 spies out, and all 12 came back saying, whoa, it's really good. Uh, look at the fruit here. They were carrying some of the fruit with them, and it was just this amazingly awesome fruit. Uh, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Um, and even before the spies went in there, listen to how God said it to them. In Numbers 13, 2, he said, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Okay? Um, Caleb and Josh, uh, Joshua were two of the spies who went along. They were spies who trusted that God would give them the land. Because when the spies went in there they didn't just see a land that had a lot of blessings in it they also saw a land that had really huge people in it and the other ten spies tried to persuade the Israelites to believe that those really big strong people in the land couldn't be taken out but Joshua and Caleb had a different idea because they were walking by faith and look what they said in 14.9 and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up their protection is gone but the Lord is with us do not be afraid of them I love that last part do not be afraid let me just take a quick side note here Uh, anybody here ever gone through anything difficult Uh, anybody here currently maybe going through something that's hard and maybe you're wondering where God is well you know what whatever we go through if we go through it with God we don't need to fear we could ask the question though well doesn't bad stuff still happen? Well, yes, bad stuff still happens. And, and we can ask, who is against us? Like, there's a, a verse in Romans. Let me put this up here. Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That question in the middle there. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know what? There are people that can be against us. There may very well be circumstances that are against us. But what does Romans 8 teach us to say? It doesn't matter. If God is for us, who can be against us? Isn't God going to graciously give us all things anyways? Now, yes, we may have to endure some difficult things for a time, like Joseph did in slavery or in prison. But if God is with us, we do not need to be afraid. And that's what Joshua and Caleb were trusting in, in the blessing of God's presence with them. Knowing that God was leading them into the promised land, they said, hey, we can do this. God is with us. Their protection is gone. But yeah, getting back to this story, um, the people decided not to go into the land. They decided to listen to those ten other spies, and they decided to listen to their fear instead of listening to God. And in response, in verse 12 of chapter 14, God said that he would destroy the people. But again, here's Moses coming to intercede, and that's just a a good lesson for us to remember. When we see people acting wickedly, um, maybe it's time for us to intercede for them. And Moses interceded just like he did in Exodus 32 and 33, and uh, in both places, Moses brought up to God, hey, what are the other nations going to think? And it's interesting, in Numbers 14, Moses brought up the nation of Egypt, and he reminded God, saying, the Egyptians know, God, that you are with Israel. So God had a reputation here. Isn't isn't that cool? God had a reputation among the Egyptians of being with the Israelites. 
And so if you were to go up to the people of Egypt and say, hey, um, what is it about those Israelites? What makes them different? Why were they able to get out of your grasp? You look a lot more powerful than they are. What is it with those Israelites? Do you know what the Egyptians would say? God was with them. I, I just think that's fascinating. So Moses was, was kind of banking on that now as he's talking to God. He said, the Egyptians know that you're with your people. God, can't you have mercy on them? So in response to that, Moses said, or excuse me, God said that he wouldn't destroy the Israelites. But he did say that he was going to punish them. This, this sin of theirs was so grievous that God decided that he was going to punish them. And the punishment was a 40-year timeout in the desert before they could go into the promised land. God said he was going to give them the promised land, but because of their sin, they had to wander for 40 years. Um, but the people didn't like that punishment, not at all. So you know what they did? The people said, okay, God, um, we heard you. We were supposed to go in there, and yeah, now we've heard that you're going to make us wander around here for 40 years, but we don't want to do that. So now, God, we're going to go up into the promised land and try to drive out those people there. It might have looked like faith on the outside, but look at what Moses said. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. Let me just stop there real quick. If the blessing of God with us is the best blessing then what should we say about God not being with us? I, I don't even want to think about it. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Awful, awful stuff here. And, and sadly, the people didn't even listen to that. They went up and they tried to go into the land, even though God wasn't with them, and they were beaten down by their enemies, and they didn't get to go in. So you could say about Numbers 14 that God was against the Israelites. In verse 34, it said, For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Now I look at that and I, I just like, whoa. God against you? What a, what a horrible thing. Why would God do that? We'll look at the very next verse that explains why. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which has banded together against me. You see what's happened here? The people of Israel had set themselves against God, and in response, he said to them, now you're going to know what it's like to have me against you. It reminds me of a verse from the New Testament. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If the battle lines are drawn, which side do you want to be on? The, the against God side, or the with God side? And, and this verse in 1 Peter 5, 5, gives us a little clue here. It says, God gives grace to the humble. Who are the humble people? Those are the people that recognize that God leads us. Those are the people who recognize that his ways are better than our ways. So in humility, we should say, God, I kind of have my own ideas here, but you know what? I'm going to choose your way anyways. That's what the people of Numbers 14 forgot. They forgot that God was good. They forgot that God would lead them into good things. They saw difficult circumstances and they came up with their own ideas. So what should we do? Let's, let's talk application here. Let's walk by faith and with humility. Faith meaning that we trust in God, meaning that we actually believe that he's stronger and better and wiser than we are. And humility saying, you know what? It's not important for me to choose my way. 
God, I choose your way. And that's where we get the blessing of God with us, of the relationship with him. And then I would just add to that, if we have the blessing of God with us, then we're in a position to receive all the other blessings that he wants to give us. So again, I'd say that that God with us is chief among all blessings. But how can God be with us? We're sinners, right? You've often heard it said that God's a holy God and we're sinful people. God can't be with sin, so how can God be with us? From our perspective as human beings, this is the biggest problem we face in the Bible. It's the problem that Adam and Eve faced after they sinned and they got kicked out of the garden. It's the problem that we still face today. It's the problem of sin causing distance between us and God. What can be done about it? Well, we'll talk a lot more about that next week as we look at the New Testament, but the Old Testament has something to say looking ahead to what was coming. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. This is a prophecy. And we know now who it was speaking of some 700 years before it happened, uh, but it was speaking about Jesus. Jesus is this Emmanuel. Remember before Jesus was born, the angel came and said you were to give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we now know the end of the story. It's that Jesus came so that we could be with God. Jesus took our sins upon himself and died on the cross for us that any of us who receive him as Savior and Lord can be with God now and forever. It's the blessing of God with us. God sees the problem of our sin getting in the way and he has done everything that needs to be done for it to be taken care of. And you know what? You know how the Bible ends? Uh, one of the very last verses is an invitation. Revelation 22, 17 the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. God so longs for us to be with him that he sent Jesus for us. He invites us to come to him. How do we come to him? By faith, by giving our lives to him, by recognizing that he's in control and we're not. And by us recognizing that our best life comes when we are with God. So on that note, I want to end with a question for you. Are you going with God? Yes. Good. Amen. (laughs) God desires for us to be with him. I I hope you know that. And, And like I said last Sunday, we can actually seek God. And if we're not sure if we're ever going with God, what can we do? We can talk to him about this. We can say, God, is this the way that you'd like me to go? Or, or is this the way that you'd like me to go? And it's sometimes maybe not always abundantly clear which one is best, but you know what? We can still seek. And, and the promise in, in the New Testament from Jesus is, seek and you will find. God leads us and his ways are good. Are you going to follow? Are we doing this life with God? Let me show you two more verses really quickly from the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 15.2 The Lord is with you when you are with Him. Isn't that awesome? The Lord is with you when you are with Him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. It's laid out right there for you. Which one do you want? With God or without God? 
And then Psalm 42 too. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Well, what's our answer for that from the New Testament perspective of what Jesus has done for us and Him preparing the way for us? When can we meet with God? Whenever. When our hearts come before God, we can meet with Him. And I hope that that's the heart's desire that you walk around with every moment of every day, desiring to do your life with God. So we can seek Him, we can find Him. We should thirst for Him. And too often we thirst for other things. Too often we try to satisfy that, that thirst, that longing, with the things of this world. And don't get me wrong, I think that there are many things that God has given us in this world that are blessings, things that we can enjoy. But let me say it this way. None of those blessings are ours to enjoy if we're not enjoying them with God. And, and that's, this just transforms it for me. That, think about it. There, there's one thing. Pick a blessing. Any blessing you can think Aside from the, the blessing of God with us, pick any blessing that you could think of. Enjoying it without God would be wrong. But enjoying it with God can actually lead to praise and thanksgiving to Him. And, and that's one of the tips here. When you see any blessing that has come your way because of God being with you, just go to God in thanksgiving and say thank you for this. And then you're glorifying Him and you're living with Him in the blessings that He has for you. That's the way that I want to live my life, giving glory to Him. Like it says in our uh, benediction verse, the last part of it, we're supposed to be overflowing with thankfulness. So if you see those blessings of God with you, just tell God about it and be thankful. God wants to be with us. Do you want to be with Him? If so, seek Him as the regular pattern of your life. Walk with Him by faith and in humility because God longs to be with us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for Your desire to be with us. We thank You that You sent Jesus so that we could be with You we thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk around with you. God, thank you for the many blessings that come as you are with us. But God, even more than that, we thank you for the biggest blessing of simply you being with us now and forever. We thank you, God, our loving Father. Thank you for the salvation that you want to give us and the life that you lead us into right now. May we walk by faith and in humility, always seeking you enjoying our relationship of God with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.